Broadcast from the centre of England, this is the Red Dwarf episode of Waffle On. It's good to be back. Today we're going to be talking about Red Dwarf, and as usual I'm joined with my co-host Mr. Mark Kelly. Word up! So, first of all, before we start, I think we should do some thank yous. It's a good idea. So, we've had uh, a few emails, and we've had some lovely comments on the Waffle On um, website, which you can find at uh, Podbean. Uh, thank you to all those people who wrote on there. We've had uh, comments from Jen, from Stu Merry, uh, from Jeff, from Kenny, um, from Rob. Absolutely brilliant. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have the internet at the moment because the wonderful world of British Telecom yes British Telecom Haboo uh, have uh, screwed us around so we'll uh, be recording today and we're going to have to put this online using Mark's computer back home who? yours Kels oh, sorry. Yeah. sorry sorry uh, so first of all we've had an email who else? Aaron Gamble who's that? <laughs> I'd like to turn around and say that I don't know him but uh, I, last time I saw him was actually 1985 um, so you know that was quite nice but he's uh, he's listened to the Maguren episode and sent us in an email of some some uh, programs that he'd like us to talk about and I think you might like these oh what are they I don't know myself uh, V oh now that is a classic I've been watching that very recently yeah so that's a really saucy lady in that as well really <laughs> oh yeah it's very nice it's been a long time since I've watched actually Tim from Brighton uh, old Trekkie geek he's a big V fan so oh, he'll yes. be interested in that uh, The Adventure Game is that one with the Aspidestras yeah the Salamando yeah, oh, that's, 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 that was class, that wasn't it? Only when I laugh. Oh, no. Yeah, you see, I like that. No, Richard Wilson. No, no. What's wrong with only when I laugh? Oh, nice. No. Oh. This reminds me of bad comedy. <laughs> Married with children? No, that, yes. No, you know how. You'll be slightly becoming like Al Bundy as you get older, so I can see what that's all about. Oh, the hairline or the sitting there with my hand down my trousers. <laughs> well, as long as you're not doing it at the moment, that really Because uh, I find that really weird. Uh, Blackadder. Yes, yeah, oh yes, you which is that's yeah. going to be really yeah. good. And Book Rogers in oh. the twenty first oh, century, yes. <laughs> and we all know uh, we're not going to talk about that now. But Colonel Deering. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. We've also had an email from James Rockcliffe, who does um, a podcast devoted to Dad's Army. You can find that at Dad's Army Podomatic. Dad's Army at Podomatic um, Just put that in the search engine, you'll find it. And uh, he sent us some great suggestions and offers of help for when we do the Dad's Army podcast. So that's that's pretty good. So we're here today to talk about Red Dwarf, and what best way to talk about it? Well, to start talking about it, yeah. than to play the theme tune. I agree. We're going to play the end title theme tune first. Um, that was consistent really throughout the whole of the eight series, apart from obviously being modernised and jazzed up. And the obvious one. The Elvis one, and you know as well, there's a Hammond organ version as well. Is it a Reggie? Uh, it's a Reggie Wilson organ. Uh, but we won't play that one. We'll just play the standard end title theme tune. Yeah. 
Okay, so that was the end title uh, theme tune to Red Dwarf. Uh, some little facts about it. It was created and wrote by Rob Grant and Doug Naylor. Uh, the first episode was broadcast on the 15th of February 1988. So this year is actually the 21st anniversary. Mm, which is a weird anniversary to celebrate when you think about it, isn't it? Why not the 20th or 25th? I know we're not in the 25th yet, but you thought it would have been the 20th, wouldn't you? Really? I, I think 21's pretty good. What? I don't know. It's like when you have your 21st birthday, it's pretty pretty grand. Well, I can't remember it? my 21st birthday, so uh, let's <laughs> I move swiftly I remember what you did. <laughs> let's move swiftly on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, to celebrate, actually to celebrate the 21st anniversary, they are at the moment filming... Uh, a one-off episode called Back to Earth um, which we'll talk about a little bit later on so anyway back to the beginning um, it starred Chris Babby who was uh, most well known as an impressionist at the time yeah uh, he did Spit an Image yeah that's um, the only place I knew him from and Carrot's Lib mm. which, which, which was a programme by uh, Birmingham comedian Jasper Carrot uh, Craig Charles who was known as an anarchist poet I, I first saw him on Wogan Doing what? Doing his poetry? Doing his poetry. I think it was a week. I think it was a weekly thing where he come on and do some kind of strange street style poetry. That's the first thing I saw him on. Danny John Jules, who was a uh, who, well, who was and who still is uh, a dancer, theatrical yeah. dancer, was in most notably in uh, the film Little Shop of Hollers. Yeah. <clears throat> Robert Llewellyn, who came in in series, uh, well, later on in the series as Crichton, uh, who was a comedy act. Yeah, his name I can't remember, which is not not great research. No, for that one. Yeah, well. uh, Norman Lovett, stand-up comedian, and later Hattie Haywood was also another stand-up comedian. Uh, so we first meet uh, Red Dwarf. It starts off basically different to the books because I think the book was actually wrote uh, a bit later yeah, on. It's a very indie. I think it's a very independent. Uh, art. It's very you know, stream of mm. of a story than that. They are very different. It's not. I don't think it's like Hitchhiker's Guide that is very similar to the book. Yeah, well, I mean, Hitchhiker's Guide was originally wrote as a as a radio play, wasn't it? And then they did the book as a book, and I, I'm sure this was very similar because this this was based on a, a their a radio series called Son of Clish. Yeah, um, with uh, Dave Holland's Space Cadet uh-huh. was where was where Dave Lister came from. We should point out get the the, the people that play Craig Charles uh, and Chris Bay are the two main characters, I'd say, in this, and without them. It just doesn't work, and we notice that later on in the series. We see these. Oh yeah, oh definitely. Uh, Craig uh, Craig Charles plays space bum Dave Lister, who, who is known as the last human uh, in the universe, and Chris Barry plays Rimmer, who uh, ultimately dies in the very first episode and becomes a hologram. And the, the interesting thing with that, when Holly brings out of everybody, as as Lister turns around and says, yeah. "Out of everybody, why on earth did you bring back Rimmer?" Yeah. And it's because it's purely for the fact that Rimmer will keep him sane. Definitely, but he was his arch enemy, wasn't he? Mm. You know, and it's like, it's like a lot of things in all the great fictions. They need a character like Bond, Bond ain't Bond without a buddy. Oh yeah, and I think and it keeps him alive. And it's the same with it is the same with Lister. Yeah, because he, he does point out, doesn't he? Says like his mates Chen Shelby and Peterson. If he wanted, didn't who he? He wanted, but at the ultimate end of the day, if you're stuck. Just with your mates forever, you you aren't you aren't gonna you need someone else to battle with more than definitely. Uh, as you say, like a good analogy with Bond, uh, with every hero you need a villain. Yeah, that is the hundred percent. The great the great shows have got two people in it who are very different. Yeah, and I think the you got um, Donna John Jules plays the cat, which is a a, a, <laughs> a being uh, come from 
Lister's original small feline cat and it's, it's, a, it's a great story I, I, in the name. books mm. it's one of my favourite he's the stuff about the cats evolving it's just a shame that they've never had the budget to do that and I don't think yeah. any I don't think any budget could do no, that justify well, because, it well that comes from Waiting for God doesn't it where yeah. basically Waiting for God up yeah. is what he's based on um, where there was two basically for that is the cat world they lived in the bowels of Red Dwarf the ship um, and they split up yeah, the one went to, to try to find Earth, where the other that mm. left all the stupid and weak ones yeah. left, and they all provided all. this cat society, and that's where that's where where cat, the cat comes, comes from. from. Well, the the one, one went to go and search for Cloister, and the other one went to go and get Clister. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, the only difference in their their world of well, their religious beliefs being cats was one had donuts on their head, yeah, yeah. and the other one had hot uh, dogs. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, Red War starts. The first time we actually get to meet um, Lister and Rimmer is during their maintenance ship uh, maintenance ship maintenance shift yeah I should yeah. say it could have been uh, would have been worse you could have seen something else then I can tell you that <laughs> so, uh, so let's uh, let's play this clip Titan yes sir I've been around Mister have you ever been hit over the head with a welding mallet <laughs> no shut up push the trolley yes sir right corridor 159 Lister, shut up! I'm only human. Well, don't! Lister, don't hum and don't make any stupid sounds with your cheeks. Lister, one more sound, anything, and you're on report, Milano. What job number is this? Right, that's it. Lister D, third technician. Offence, obstructing a superior technician by humming, clicking, and being quiet. <laughs> when the captain sees this, you're dead. I'm bored. Bored? This is essential routine maintenance. It's absolutely vital for the well-being of this crew, this mission, and this ship. Dispenser 172, chicken soup nozzle clogged. So uh, so there you go. That uh, That's the introduction of uh, Lister and Rimmer, and... and you get to see the fact that Rimmer thinks he is a quite... I think everyone gets people like this in their workplace, oh, yes. don't they? <laughs> Where they think they are doing a more superior job. Yeah. When all he is, he's a, I think he's a first technician yeah. and uh, list as a third technician, or either way around. But their basic jobs are to clean <laughs> the chicken soup dispenser. dispenser and to make sure that they uh, they get their white ch- uh, hot chocolate instead and of crunchy bars and crunchy bars <laughs> the crunchy bars get terrible but they're, they're straight away you're getting to see that the, the two do not get on they're not what you call oh they're not they're not friends this is the, I, I, there's not many sitcoms that are based a sitcom around that they can't stand each other yeah and it's not they don't like each other no no I mean that's, that's the great and in, in fact as well uh, at the start Chris Bowie and Craig Charles didn't get on well, I think it's a bit like you know one of my favorite, as you know, one of my favorite things is the odd couple, mm. and it's a lot like at the beginning, like the odd couple in space, isn't it? Yeah, very yeah. much so at the beginning mm. because they didn't like each other in the odd couple. No, no, no. You're right. Yeah, it's exactly it's exactly that. Um, so this is the first series of Red Dwarf. Uh, there were six episodes in it. We'll just read them out. There was the end, future echoes, balance of power. Uh, waiting for God, confidence of power, and I and me too. We're going to play a clip from. Uh, balance of power a bit later on well, in, a, in a moment should I say but the first series of Red Dwarf didn't get 
very good ratings. No, I, you know, when you try and think, I, I think especially for me and you, we got into Red Dwarf from Series 2. Because Series 1 was never mm. repeated, was it? No, no. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we was in, more introduced to Red Dwarf for our friend Karen. Yeah. Um, so, we, I mean, I didn't see the first series. No, well, I, I, I didn't, I I'll be honest. I ain't yeah. going yeah, yeah. to lie about that. We no, didn't. no. I mean, I, we went back and... Uh, actually, you know what? I honestly think the first time we saw the first series was on video. Um, yeah, because um, it came out, didn't it? Yeah. Now, did we see those at Cam's or did, did I buy them? Because no. I bought them all, didn't I? You did, but uh, the series one never come out for a few few years after it, didn't it? It was only very, you know, very it recent. Because yeah. we had a Red Dwarf We night, had a Red Dwarf night. Where we were yeah. watching the first series. What was about six years after it'd been on? Oh, that was brilliant. I remember buying them as well. I get yeah, so excited, so excited about, about having the first it. series. So yeah, but the, the the great thing about it, it was directed and produced by Ed By, and the executive producer was Paul Jackson. And Paul Jackson managed um, to actually get a second series commissioned before the first series was even shown. You wouldn't get that anymore. Don't wouldn't get that. Album. that. No, no one really. I mean, especially in America, where you, if you don't get a great opening series, you're virtually right. crucified, which is, is is terrible for TV. Apart from if you're on HBO, where HBO actually give you license to do things, but let's not get into that debate. Well, we can. We'll go on to that <laughs> debate like, in a, a few episodes time, in which we talk about the state of British TV. Ooh, I'm gonna have to is... sit back from the mic for that one because <laughs> <laughs> it is it is pretty treacherous. I think this is the point as well. I don't think it hurts us to talk about this at the at the moment, especially with Red Dwarf coming up. To 21 years old, where I, I have been aching for a new series of Red Dwarf oh. uh, because it's a it's what we talked about earlier in the car. There, uh, a lot of people talk about Red Dwarf as being a sci-fi show, yeah. but not many people talk about how nah, funny it is. It's funny. It's it's a sitcom. Yeah, it's a sitcom, and it's a sitcom that that British producers cannot do anymore. No, oh no, they, the writing they, we can't uh, write funny lines anymore. No. And uh, I think we we talked the other day where. Uh, as you know, I do a comedy, an yeah. internet comedy show. Yeah. But there's five of us who participate in that comedy show. And there's five, like the old Python way of doing it. Yeah, there's yeah. five different brains yeah. working at it. In England, we seem to have, well, in Great Britain, we seem to have this attitude where only one person can write. It, I, do, and it, just doesn't, it doesn't work, unless you're Ricky Gervais, mm. Stephen Merchant. There's two of them, though. Yeah, it's just that, you know, there's not many, but, you know, the American ideal of having a lot of writers works. Mm. It and, just works. And I think we've read Dwarf, it was wrote by Grant Naylor. Now, it comes up to a little bit later on where one of them leaves, and you do notice it. Uh, I think it's very nice. Especially noticeable. when they brought on the, I know we're going to talk about this later, but mm. especially when they brought on the guest writers, you just knew straight away, wasn't it? It wasn't there. And Robert Llewellyn was one of the guest writers. Yeah, and even. <laughs> So let's play a clip from Balance of Power. This to me sums up rumors. We should point out because we have to skip. The reason why we have to skip little bits is because there's eight series of Red Dwarf, yeah. and we've only got less than well, an hour and a half because we don't want to bore you, senseless. <laughs> I mean, we want you to come back. Um, but basically, what happens is is that um, Lister has a cat. He brings it on board. He finds out about. Um, it's like a what is it? It's like a time boo, isn't it? Where what? it's a, what's it? It's a status. A status he, Well, he wants to get himself he wants to get put back. in status. Yeah, so he, so he smuggles a cat on board, hoping that he'll get caught. Yeah, which is what he does. And what he does. And he hides the cat. He makes sure the cat is, is immunised with all vaccines. Yeah, and, and puts him in the hold, in doesn't the storage he? hold. And he, of course, he gets arrested. And the crime for this is that you get put into status for the rest of the, the, the trip, which is a three-year trip. Yeah. And he all he wants to do is to get back to Earth, so which he does, which, of course, annoys Rimmer, because Rimmer has been saving up his status days so that he's now got... He's at the age of 35, but he's got a body of a 34-and-a-half-year-old. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so, that, so he, of course, he gets put into it. And um, oh look, it's wonderful! It's snowing <laughs> again in so England. Lovely. <laughs> lovely weather. Um, so yeah, so whilst Lister is incarcerated, um, Rimmer fails uh, 
to do proper maintenance on a drive plate. On the drive plate. And yeah. in the on the bridge, somebody spills some coffee over the keyboard, and they think the flashing lights is because of the coffee. And what happens is there's a massive nuclear explosion on the ship, and it wipes out everybody except for Lister, who's in the status booth, Cat, who's stored away in the hold, and Holly, who's the onboard computer. Holly then takes the ship uh, off out into deep space so that it doesn't get uh, and nothing else in in uh, its areas get contaminated. And after is it three million years? Three million, three million years. years um, Lister is released. And he's the only person there. Of course, it's going to take three million years to get back to Earth. He could go back into stasis, which is something yeah. I think everyone would do. But uh, Holly brings Rimmer out as a hologram. He cannot touch anything. He's a, he's a light hologram. He can walk through things. He can't walk through out of space. A bit like in... Um, what's, uh, what's that thing with Sam Beckett in it? Oh, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap, yeah, yeah. You can... um, what was his called? His hologram. What was he called now? Oh, um, played by... Uh, Dean Stockwell. Dean Stockwell. Sam? Sam, yeah. It's Sam, a lot it? like Sam, isn't it? It's the same kind you know of thing. Gonna, oh, you know what I'm going to ask you now? What? what was the gadget call that he kept talking to? Oh, that. What was that? Was that oh, Ziggy that, or something? I don't know. I, 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 I don't oh, know. That's just, not that's that's not Talk about quantum leap. Because <laughs> this, this podcast just won't... Uh, <laughs> well, it's called waffling on. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Aren't we just... So he brings Rimmer back. As we talked about earlier on, the reason why he brought Rimmer back was because Rimmer's the only person who can keep him sane because otherwise he would get mad. In fact, in the book... Uh, and, the, and the, also in the play he does get mad he ends up walking around naked and yeah. swigging from champi- champagne bottles so we're going to play you a clip now from Bands of Power which just about sums up Rimmer Morning Lister how's life in hippie heaven you pregnant baboon belly <laughs> <laughs> ah, what's the plan for the day then slobbing in the morning followed by slobbing in the afternoon then a bit of a snooze before the main evening slob God, you're a disgrace to the species <laughs> And uh, that just about sums up Rimmer. <laughs> I think so. We got that what, in thirty seconds. In thirty seconds, Rimmer and his all. Now, uh, after Bands of Pay, you get waited for Garden, which we talk about Cat, which we've already just talked about. But I think one of the best episodes on this is Me Too, in which um, it starts off really from from because Lister wants to have another conversation with his love of his life, which was Kachansky, Kachansky yeah. played by the brilliant Claire Grogan, who I have to say I fancied. Yeah, and she was hotter than the one later on as well, weren't she? Yeah, no, even now. You know, there's no. It's a bit, she's got a bit of the fleecy candles about her. If you know, they what I mean. don't get into them kind of really. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, played by Vin Claire Crogan, who was the singer from Altered Images, who who did Happy Birthday. Um, so, Lister wants to really explain things and get a better chance. So they bring Kachansky back as a hologram, but actually it's Rimmer pretending it's to be. Kachansky, uh, which of course ends up with the various moments of hilarity, uh, in which he keeps abreast. Yeah, yeah and it starts off Me Too, does where Rimmer figures out that you can have two holograms, and what better way to entertain himself than having two versions of himself? Now that's Rimmer's ideal of heaven. I can't think of anything worse. No, uh, no, I, I, <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know what I'm <laughs> Could you? I mean, I, I don't particularly like being on no, my own. I don't, I, don't, I don't like looking in the mirror. <laughs> so just, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to talk to him as well. <laughs> you don't want to be I mean, as, I mean, what could you talk about? Really, you just say, well, this is the thing, though. You'd end up putting yourself down, and that's, oh, yeah. that's the you'd whole see point. all your weaknesses. Yeah, and right. you know, you don't mind someone else turning around, say, talking, saying, "Look, you're looking a bit fat," yeah, which is generally what you say to me every day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is like, "Hello, you look a bit fat." So, uh, so of course. 
it does start, it starts off great they move into their own quarters which is I thought that this is another thing about Red Dwarf right not that we should pick faults with it no but no they've got the whole of this ship yeah they've got the officers quarters oh, I've always thought that but yeah. they stay in their meagre third technician yeah. quarters and then, yeah. and then Rimmer who's got it himself with his, with his certificates up only moves next door yeah okay now we know the reason why it's because of budgetary but planning. yeah yeah but you know that's it so uh, we'll have a clip here of Rimmer arguing Shh. with Rimmer shut up listen will hear you what's that I made you vomit keep your voice down I'm not going to stand here and take this abuse oh yes when the going gets tough the tough go and have a little cry in the corner <laughs> you've got a sponge for a backbone no wonder father hated you that's a lie, a lie, 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 lie. <laughs> then why didn't he send you to the academy? He couldn't afford it. Ah, oh, he sent all our brothers. You're a filthy, smegging, lying, smegging liar. Face facts, man. <laughs> Nobody liked you. Not even Mummy. Mummy did like me. Mummy was just busy. She had a lot of meetings to go to. Twaddle. You better watch what you say about my Mummy. I'm a grown man and I'm not going to accept it. Now grow up, Mr. Gaspacho! <laughs> Mr. What? I said, Mr. Gatspacho, Deffy! <laughs> that is the most obscenely hurtful thing. Good! That's the straw that broke the geometry, that is. You're finished, Rimmer. No, you're finished, Rimmer! So there you go, that's the two rumors arguing with each other. And it, it, it does say an important thing there, that's about gazpacho soup, isn't it? it, it it's, very, it's very important because it was his, um, it was his, I don't know, that was his ultimate humiliation in life and he mm. never got over it did he no you so, going to explain what that was well I'll explain this gazpacho suit that basically well Rimmer always wanted to be an officer if, what was it he failed the officer exam <laughs> he's failed it 12 times 12 times and some ridiculous ways we can't go into that involving learning I drugs am, and writing I, it over your body and writing I am a fish yeah <laughs> but let's not get into that because we end up talking about that well basically what um I can't remember how he actually got into having... He got invited to, to a to meal the at the captain's, captain's table. table. Yeah. And I, I can't... Off the top of my head, I can't remember. Can you remember what, how he got there? I think... Because he was in flashback anyway, yeah, wasn't I he? Think, I think it's just one of them things where every every person, every officer, I mean, because he's in charge of uh, yeah, he Zen is. Shift, you know, uh, gets the chance to go to the to the officer's table. I think there is another thing into it. Yeah, but about. like I said, it was yeah. only mentioned in flashback, flashback. anyway. So he, he talked gets, about it. He gets invited up there and he's enjoying himself because he's with the hobnobs. He's, he's loving it, isn't he's he? He's loving yeah. it. And they, they send him gazpacho soup, which is cold tomato which is cold soup. Tomato uh, which, to be fair, I mean, obviously, I know now, but we know. I was going to say we didn't know. We, we didn't, didn't know. Get, we didn't get the joke when no, we first. Good no, for what's all that about? And uh, of course, he sends it back, thinking he's being really, you know, what in a real want? snobbish kind of way yeah. of, you know, real being arrogant towards the waiter and waitress, and uh, again, of course, he ends up being humiliated, and he blames that incident for the uh, reason why why his life doesn't you know, end, and he even uses it in his epitaph. Yeah, in one of the episodes where you're reading his epitaph. From, which is me too at the beginning of me yeah, too isn't yeah. it his epitaph yeah. and he's talking about it and the last thing he says is gazpacho soup before that's, he dies yeah, that's his dying word that's his dying word which is really hard well, it, fact, it, it, that's it, how you understand how because uh, people say we move, I mean a little bit later on when we get to meltdown you realise that we actually is just a cretin well, it, well he's a melancholic character he, yeah. he definitely is I think there's a, there's a tinge of sadness in all the characters in, in all of Red Dwarf oh yeah there's not, none of them apart they're all from, from apart from Cat 
Yeah, I suppose Cutties is the best he can be because, because he's never been anywhere yeah. else. Because in, in, when, when you're given the chance to say, right, you've got a choice to have who uh, the most beautiful person in the room with you, and you, you know, some people would pick Marilyn Monroe, or some people mm. would pick like you know Scarlett Johansson or something. He picks himself because in his mind, you can't get more perfect, he's perfect than himself. So, so the, one of the people we haven't talked about yet is Holly, who's the ship's computer, who's yeah. got an IQ of six thousand, um, but he's. They blame Holly for a lot of the mistakes that go on board ship. And I think Holly has a bit, I guess, a bit tired of this, doesn't he? And they blame and they blame when things go wrong. And we are suddenly introduced to a character called Queeg. Which I think is one of the great episodes of all It's brilliant, though. And Queeg is played by Charles August, who was a a dancer, actually was a choreographer, and worked with Danny John Jules on quite a few things, did a lot of of theatre. Um, so let's uh, let's play the quip quip quip. What is this like? Quip <laughs> quip. That's all right. There could have been another word that I could have said. Yeah, Maybe you know, no, that would have been even worse. <laughs> let's get let's get, get the beep on quick. <laughs> uh, we, we are leaving mistakes in because uh, yeah. we're not professionals. Good lord, if we were professionals, do you think we'd be <laughs> do this for free? <laughs> so let's play the quip. Oh, you doing it again? You doing it again? Just just move swiftly on. <laughs> Oh, here's the clip of Queeg. I'm lucky if I can keep my legs on with you in charge. Yeah, he's out to lunch, man. He's out to lunch, breakfast, dinner, tea, supper, the lot. Not in for a single meal, if you ask me. Hey, who's that? Aliens! Queeg? Who's Queeg? I'm Queeg 500, the Red Dwarf backup computer. All vessels of the Jupiter Mining Corporation fleet are obliged to carry a backup computer to replace the primary computer, if the primary computer contravenes Article 5. I am therefore assuming control of this vessel. This is mutiny, Mr. Queeg. I'll see you swing from the highest yard arm in Titan docking port for this day's work. What's Article 5? Gross negligence, leading to the endangerment of personnel. Hang on, you can't do this. Holly's got an IQ of 6,000. Yeah, right on. Is that what he told you? Well, what is it then? It has a six in it, but it's not six thousand. <laughs> what is it? Six. Six? Do me a lemon. That's a poor IQ for a glass of water. How come he knows all the answers to questions about science and space and that when we ask him? He consults a book. What a slime ball. He gets all his information on astronomy, phenomenology, and physics from a single reference book. What's the book? The Junior Encyclopedia of Space. <laughs> it's the only one he could find which had pictures. That slander, that is. You'd better find yourself a good lawyer, guy. So that's why I was never on the case. I am on the case. I'm sharp. I'm kicking bottom. <laughs> How come he can navigate us back to Earth? He can't. You've been going around in circles for the last 14 months. You what? That's a load of Tottenham, that is. <laughs> it's a steaming pile of hotspur. I'm onto his game. He's turning you against me so he can take over. This is not a matter for discussion. The decision has been made. Your terminals have been bypassed. You've been retired. I'm in my prime. You'll be given light duties, night watchman. From now on, Ridwolf is run by Queek 500. And of course, this is really an, a, a, a sudden turnabout for the boys of the dwarf because they've had life pretty easy. Yeah, really. even Rimmer, who sees himself as the military disciplinarian, and he's a, mm. you know he's Army Corps and Space Corps. Mm. When it comes down to it, 
is no different than Lister. Than Lister, who is just a slob. Who's just a slob, but admits it. Yeah, well, and he's, he's happy being a slob. His, his ideal thing is to turn his underpants inside out, to smack his socks with a, a toffee hammer to get the fuss <laughs> off, and to put his sneakers trainers yeah. into a into, into a, a fridge. fridge. Yeah. Uh, so um, so Quig runs the show as. Well, disciplinarian. Oh, as, yeah. as, a, as well as a dictator, doesn't he? As mm. re- or, or is it? Or is that's really that's how the ship should that's be how run. The ship should be done. I mean, yeah. I mean, as you say, Rimu is the one who gets probably knocked about the most. Oh yeah. You know? And uh, in one of his things, although we heard him read earlier on, he's not a one for the exercises, Rimu. Or not anything, any or anything. He's not. Well, he, not anything because he uses. He's not intellectual. He's not intellectual. He's not. He's not a charmer. No. He's not one with the ladies. The only ladies <laughs> had had a puncher in it. <laughs> puncher Rebecca on standby, sir. <laughs> well, Rimmer, classic Rimmer is about is what I remember, which, which we shouldn't really admit to. But I remember us when he came to exams, spending a good two days making a timetable <laughs> of study, and then when he came to, we realised that we used up two days of the study, yeah. and then made a new timetable. And that's <laughs> yeah. what Rimmer does. But uh, but this is a clip in which uh, Quig, bear in mind, Rimmer is a hologram, and uh, and Quig now runs the ship. Therefore, Quig runs the holograms. Yeah. Off. Oh, Quig, why has my alarm clock gone off at six o'clock? That's what time you asked for. Ah, now, Holly and I had this little understanding. I would say, Holly, wake me up at six o'clock without fail. Then Holly would pretend to forget and wake me up around ten with breakfast. Okay? Off! (coughs) Quig, I can see we've already cultivated a special understanding. I scratch your back, you stick a knife in mine. (laughs) All right, give me a uniform. It's exercises first. Ah, yes. Now, once again, Holly blesses little interface leads, and I had this understanding. Move it, boy! (laughs) What are you doing? What I'm doing, Pilgrim, is I'm putting you through the regulation 500 jerks. But I don't want to. Stop it! And then your ass is on a three-mile run. You just can't take over control of my body willy-nilly. The company is paying for your hologrammatic survival, and out here in space, I am the company. Lister, wake up, help me! Lister! Ask him! Queen, he's making me fit! What are you doing, truck curls? God, no! My stomach won't take it, it's too flabby! One! Mummy! Two! Mercy! Three! Help me! Four! Holly and I are this little understanding! Five! Yes! Fight the flab! <laughs> I want control of my own body back! Free my house is gonna kill me! I'm gonna fight! Uh. <laughs> What's the matter with him? He faded after the first 500 yards. What, and you made him jog two and a half miles unconscious? It's regulations. So there you go, regulations. Everything that Rimmer had always wanted to to be under, uh, he's been almost tortured by he's regulations. He's got his utopian hasn't he? Yeah, and he's not working. So you've got Lister and you've got Cat who are doing manual duties like scrubbing the floors, repainting everything. And Rimmer is having to do all of those exams, which he said he wanted to do yeah. and study for, and it just goes to show that he really doesn't like it. He does well. He doesn't. Want, he doesn't want it, does he? No. He, he just wants to be given it. Yeah. He wants the privilege of it. Like I suppose, ultimately, a lot of people do. Well, anyone does really, don't they? I mean, everyone. Well, no one wants to, to do the work. No one wants to do the work. Everyone <laughs> wants the luxury, but no one wants to yeah. do the work. So Holly, meantime, is, has been stuck on uh, Night Watchman, and uh, the others go to plead with him, don't they? 
Yeah, they do because they because they realise that it off. Uh, you know, not add it off. <laughs> add it off with Holly. <laughs> yeah, mm. but they had it a lot easier under Holly, even though they moaned about him. He was exactly the right person for their crew. Which, again, sums up the whole Red Dwarf Yeah, which is everything. A bunch of uh, strange people. Yeah, Yeah, but all together, which is what all great sitcoms are. Yeah, so they end up uh, trying to... Well, they do, they persuade Holly to come back and challenge uh, Quig, and Holly does this by offering him a chess game. Not the most brightest of things to do. Not really when he doesn't know, he doesn't even know the name of the, um, even know the name of the things. Was it Horsey to Bishop Horse, to... Horsey to, Horsey to Queenie Five. Yeah, so, not the greatest <laughs> idea. And unfortunately, Holly loses um, this battle of minds and wits, and, uh, and this is ultimately what happens at the end. What kind of a plan was that? A stupid plan, that's what kind of plan it was. Well, why didn't we stop him? We thought he had something up his sleeve. Yeah, now we got Queeg forever, and that's a long time. <laughs> well, dudes, I've come to say goodbye. So you're definitely going to get rubbed whole? Afraid so. Life's going to be hell. Well, see you, Dave. Hope it works out with you and Kachansky. Cheers, Hull. See you, Cat. I hope one day in the not-too-distant future... You fulfil your heart's desire and get your end away. <laughs> Thanks, man. And Arnold, well, I hope you meet those aliens you're looking for. It can give you a body. And you become an officer and you get a sex life and all the other millions of things you feel you need to make you happy. Thanks, Arnold. Well, I hate long goodbyes. Perhaps next time you got the dosh together to go down the disco, you'll raise a glass to your old mate Holly and think things weren't too bad when he was around. Perhaps not the most efficient computer ever invented, but we had a giggle. Oh, one last thing. 45.265881. What? That's the square root of 2049. <laughs> I may not be fast, but I get there in the end. <laughs> well, as they always say, finish on a song. I'll say goodbye to love. <laughs> I never cared if I should live. Or die. <laughs> time and time again, the chance for love has passed me by. Okay, suckers, get this into your stupid thick heads. There's only one thing I want to say to you. What? What's happening, dudes? <laughs> we are talking Jape of the Decade. <laughs> <laughs> We are talking April, May, June, July and August full. <laughs> yes, that's right. I am Queeg. What? Queeg never existed. It was me all along. What? Wees of the week, mate. <laughs> Going round in circles of 14 months. Get my information from the junior colour encyclopedia. <laughs> The respect you have for me is awesome, innit? You mean you staged the whole thing? That's right, suckers. And the moral of the story is, appreciate what you've got, because basically, I'm fantastic. And there you go, that's the whole uh, of Holly's reasoning for doing that, so that he was more appreciated. Yeah, and it, you know, it's, it's a great episode, because there's not many things where people come out secondary to a computer. Mm, 2001. 
He's like, I can how, yeah. Well, obviously, in somewhere there is. But that, in British thinking, there weren't many things be, at the time being done about things like that. It just it wasn't happening. Yeah. So then we go on to uh, series three, which we're not going to play any clips from, but <clears throat> there was some great uh, episodes in series Well, as I said earlier, I, I'm not a great fan of, uh, of series three. Um, you was you was mentioning backwards. Yeah, well, I, I think back, uh, backwards is, is an episode which is more idea than substance mm. yeah, it's a great idea where they go to a world where everyone's living backwards and a bit like Benjamin Button really isn't it what's well, going yeah. on at the moment yeah. really yeah. like a long time before it I know there's a Scott F. Fitzgerald story about such things but mm. I think in British sci-fi it doesn't happen but that's the joke really isn't it's it a, it's a bit of a yeah, one you, hit wonder and you know what's going to go this joke's going to involve being backwards they're going to eat the food backwards mm. they're going to have a fight backwards they're going to run backwards right about, and, and that's the same joke for half an hour I think two, there's two things in that in that episode that do stand out though is uh, one the uh, a cat going to the toilet because it's quite surprised when obviously it's going backwards yes. and the other one the allergy of uh, Father Christmas uh, when he says Father Christmas what a bastard yeah. well, what do you mean he goes well he's the big fat guy who comes down the chimney and steals is all there, the yeah, that is toilet. a great thing yeah. uh, so series 3 had backwards marooned polymorph body swap time's eyes and the last day we did have a request from Tim and Brian to play uh, a clip from marooned and uh, we're not going to play it are we? we this is not a democracy <laughs> <laughs> we was going to play but unfortunately because we've um, we've spent hours getting all the clips together we just we just simply haven't got the time it's a pathetic excuse yeah but it's true <laughs> and we can't and it gets we can't be bothered the red dwarf we're in the same way we are slobs when it comes down to it so <laughs> we involves slobs. too much work we won't do <laughs> and boy is it taking a lot of work yeah. I, I do now appreciate why uh, why people take so long doing podcasts so anyway we're going to go to series 4 uh, which was the introduction of Quite Hattie Haywich as mm. Holly and also Robert Llewellyn playing Croyton now David Ross who played uh, Croyton on uh, the the other episode which I can't remember what it was, well, called Quantum, <laughs> ironically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, David Ross was actually in theatre at the time and couldn't take on the role. And so um, along came good old Robert Llewellyn, who, because, let's face it, he's under a mask, in the publicity pictures for the new, new oh, episode, it's crazy. doesn't look any different. It's crazy. And he made the role himself. because He did, yeah. We, he, the, who was it again? Paul? What was it? Who was it? Fingy Ross? What was his name? David Ross. David Ross. He was good, but you, it just wasn't the same. No, it just wasn't no. the same. And he said it, it was very much like it was like the world one and mm. all that. That's what was going on in that series. Yeah. Where Robert Llewellyn was a very funny man, anyway. anyway. He, well, the thing is that he, I mean, changing the accent to a. I think Robert Llewellyn said that it's a Canadian. He, he does it in a slight uh, Canadian accent. Um, to so and I think that helps because yeah. otherwise having as David Ross doing the English accent it would be like oh he's a butler and I don't think he, I think having a, yeah. a different accent does open up a bit more uh, Mal Bibby came along to who was the set designer and I think this is when you start to see a different Red Dwarf it's gone from the almost porridge style set of being yeah you know, uh, one room one room now people. they can go off ship you've got Starbug you've got uh, Blue Midget yeah, as well Starbug, yeah. and again as we say Hattie Hattie Norman Lovett left because <clears throat> A lot of people think the Norman Lovett left because of money. It wasn't. At the time, he was living... I think he was living in Edinburgh. They was um, rehearsing in London and recording in Manchester. Yeah. So it was just too much of a travel for him. So Hattie Havish came along, who's a, a female standing comedian. And, you know, I think she did a pretty good job. She's all right. She's, I know we've talked about this before. Mm. I'm not a big fan of Hilly. No. But 
to me, the the Hologan came, uh, not the Hologan, the ship's computer, the character got sidelined with Hilly. Yeah. He was just, oh, this is a funny line, she'll come on and say something funny. And, 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 and you know, with Norman Lovey, he, he was, I don't know, he was a bigger, he was a rounder character. But I, I know that, you know, they had to think on the feet with yeah. that really quick, didn't they? And it, it didn't ruin it. It's not as if, hey, hey, but he's ruined it. But, oh, no. But, you know, you know. I think it was time slides, didn't it, wasn't it, where... Didn't they? They went. Well, that's where they met when he yeah, first saw him, wasn't first it? Saw so you've got some uh, some uh, pretty cool episodes. You've got Camille DNA. Camille as actually was uh, Robert Llewellyn's yeah. real life partner uh, in that one. Uh, Justice Whitehall, which is a great Whitehall's a great episode. Uh, it is. Uh, Dimension Jump and Meltdown. But we we're only going to play uh, a scene from Meltdown purely for the fact that to to get the grips of how much Rimmer is changing he's becoming more and more of a coward and he's because he can he, he can go off ship now um, he's takes on authority for the price of others more than anything like this definitely and um, what we're going to play is uh, Meltdown basically is, is, it's a wax world and there's loads of um Famous people there in the lineup, which you'll get to hear you you actually see Einstein Stan Lowell Marilyn Monroe Gandhi <clears throat> Father Christmas which is which is a you know a weird self Queen Victoria the Dalai Lama and and Sartre and uh, and just because to show how much of a a real git <laughs> oh yes when he he has a go at uh, uh, well we'll we'll play the clip play the clip what a challenge the greatest minds in military history against me let's pray they're up to it. Are you sure your sanity chip is fully screwed in, sir? Have you any conception of what's lining up outside for your inspection? I'll soon shake them up. By God, I only wish the lads from the IO Amateur Wargamers and the recreators of the Battle of Neesden Society could see me now. They choke on their pike staffs. Well, thank you very much, sir. Thank you. As you were, Sergeant Presley. Guys are outside, sir, waiting inspection. Thank you very much. <laughs> well done, Presley. Uh-huh. Good <laughs> <laughs> you, sir. Brighton, let's see what we've got, eh? What's your name, soldier? His name's Gandhi, sir. Mahatma Gandhi. Well, get him out of that damn nappy and into a uniform. <laughs> Have you no pride, man? Don't you want to win this war? Don't eyeball me, Gandhi. Get on the floor and give me 50. No! <laughs> Teresa, sir. Mother Teresa. Assisi, sir. St. Francis of Assisi. There's only two kinds from Assisi. Steers and queers. Which are you, boy? Uh, moving hastily on, sir. What's he doing here? He was posted here from the fiction section. The Dalai Lama... Uh, Mr. Noel Coward, sir. Delighted to meet you, dear boy. Shut up. Uh, Monsieur Jean-Paul Sartre, sir. Who? He's a philosopher, sir. He's an existentialist. Well, Sartre, we don't like existentialists around here. And we certainly don't like French philosophers poncing around in their black polo necks, filling everyone's heads with their theories about the bleakness of existence and the absurdity of the cosmos. Clear? Well... You're quite the worst bunch of famous historical wax droids I've ever had the misfortune to clap my eyes on. You're a total bloody shambles. And if we're going to win this war, someone is going to have to turn you into soldiers. And that someone, ladies and gentlemen, is me!
Over to you, Crichton. I'm watching you, Gandhi. Brilliant episode. And uh, the, the interesting thing for that is, is of course, this was going to be the opening episode of uh, Series 4, um, but the Gulf War was on, so they postponed it to the end. Uh, purely for the fact, well, typical BBC minding that, yeah. it's all about war. Um, Rima there, as you can tell, has got all the good people of the Waxwell now going to go out to fight the evil people, which was Hitler, Mussolini, Caligula... Uh, Genghis Khan Nixon Nixon um, who's the worst out of all them ooh Nixon's quite bad <laughs> I, I, I think compared to Genghis Khan he's probably alright but I mean it's very easy to say Nixon but mm. I think no, it's not, no if, Nixon's not as bad as Genghis Khan no but there again Genghis Khan was a barbarian yeah. In it, well, it's an intelligent barbarian but mm. okay if you're going to talk about with, with Frost and uh, say Hitler yeah, Hitler. No, Hitler's probably worse than Them two. Nixon. Yeah, well, definitely. Yeah, because Hitler <laughs> was just a liar and a I am, not a thing. But he, would you, in a, in a moment of wits, uh, sitting against a table with each other, say there was a quiz show, who would you who would you poll as the winner out of Hitler and Frost? Frost? <laughs> Frost? <laughs> David Frost. David Frost is not, would not be over there. He might be if there was a smarmy oh, Okay, David Frost is the host, and you've got Nixon and you've got Hitler against each other in the quiz show who would win mm, that's quite an interesting that's quite an interesting thing who'd win in a battle of wits against uh, mm. Hitler and uh, Nixon they can phone a friend well Hitler and him <laughs> as Hitler well I guess I, I, as, did Hitler have any friends well I don't know not really so, I suppose but, his dog but I mean um, Blondie you couldn't really find Blondie up. no um I, I, don't know, I think Nixon was a little more likable character than. Uh, <laughs> I think so. Yeah, he was yeah. just a bit egotistical. Well, no, you know, he, he was a know, he was just a corrupt politician. But there's send, plenty send of corrupt in, politicians. Send, send in your uh, your opinions <laughs> yeah. on who you think would He's win worse. in a battle of wits between Adolf Hitler and, and Richard Nixon. Tricky dicky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, going back to the uh, to the episode. Yeah, yeah. Rimmer actually takes charge of it and has uh, Crichton as. Uh, Porn sacrifice. I think it's Iron Duke. As Iron Duke. And literally wipes out the whole planet. But Rimmer classes this as a victory. As a victory, yeah. Which just goes to show really how much of a of a, a bastard he, he well, actually he, is. Well, he is, you know? isn't he? There's no doubt. Well, he, he picks on in the lineup. You've got you've got Sir Francis of Assisi and calls him a pretty terrible thing. Yeah. Uh, and he also has a go at Gandhi. At Gandhi. Uh, now, one thing about Gandhi, you're going to say about Gandhi, is he was a, he was a good man. He was a good man. <laughs> he was a good and man. Actually, actually, turn him around and say, and the words are in which you can't see. If you do get a chance to tra- uh, see him out there and see it, because Gandhi's got army boots on. Yeah. yeah with yeah, his yeah. with the obviously the clothing that Gandhi wears, and the actor who was originally going to play Gandhi had to be replaced at the last minute because the poor soul couldn't do the press ups <laughs> so I mean, I mean really that's quite bad isn't that it? is quite bad so, so that's Meltdown uh, the episode before that was Dimension Jump which I just want to quickly talk about before yeah. we go into, um, into quite, quite an important episode because it's whole the reason why we haven't and the, well, the reason why we haven't talked about Dimension Jump is because it's one of those things it's timey-wimey it's Parallel, un- well, oh. parallel universes and as we all know uh, if you're into anything like science fiction when you try and talk about well, dimensions I, I, it's and- a bit like the bit you've got like in Deep Space Nine if you're a fan of Deep Space Nine you've got the alternate realities haven't you the and mirror universes yeah, yeah. And, but with, uh, with Ace Rimmer it's a very complicated world because you can have a whole podcast talking about Ace Rimmer oh, yeah. so, but Ace Rimmer is, gr- is great he's gr- he is great because he is exactly what he wants to be mm. he is Rimmer and if he was successful yeah. well the whole point is of course yeah, the, the, the decision of 
Uh, Ace with Moe is a, he's in the Space Corps, he's a test pilot for the Space Corps. He, is, he gets all the women. In fact, there's a, a Bongo, played by the way. Yeah. Yeah. Even Mate, Mate. He wants to, uh, he yeah. goes, uh, if you're interested, I'll be in my quarters covered in Tansom Yeah. yeah. Uh, and he goes, I never knew you was, but your, your, uh, your side was buttered that, buttered that way. And he goes, well, no, I've been happily married for 35 years, but a guy like you could turn yeah, a guy's yeah. head. Um, so... He goes off and, and they end up meeting each other. You've got Rimmer, who's a hologram, who's just worthless, and you've got Rimmer, who's a space girl. And it turns out, because Rimmer blames everything, saying he got the brakes, he got the, the good luck, in an essence. Yeah, because I'll tell you what, if you remember, because what it was, he thought um, that the reason why he never succeeded in his life is because he was a bit stupid, mm. where in fact he thinks Ace Rimmer had everything in it. In yeah. fact, Ace Rimmer was kept back a year, kept back and, and that made him a stronger person. That's it. Yeah, so, so actually, it, it was he who didn't get the breaks, yeah. Rimmer did, and Rimmer didn't take and advantage Rimmer didn't take them. Which is, I think, a beautiful yeah, oh, storyline yeah, for it. So we go on to now, on to series five. Uh, this is when Red Dwarf, I think, becomes... It, it moves up a notch. Well, yeah, yeah, in into, you're into the big league now, aren't you? You're, yeah. you? You know, big budget. It's still written by Rob Grant and Doug Nair this time. You've got a uh, hollow ship in which Rimmer gets uh, the chance to go onto a hollow ship, uh, which is the ultimate in his fantasy, really. You've yeah. got disciplinarian, but it's all top notch. Everything's it's pure. all about it based on intellect. What yeah. he thinks he has got a higher intellect than everyone else. Mm. He only when he goes to this ship, he realises that. He's not secure. He's not. And he takes drugs, doesn't he? He takes, uh, he takes learning, learning drugs. drugs. And it's the only time, in the, I think, in all of the series, apart from one we'll talk oh, about yeah, in a bit, yeah. where he actually don't think he thinks there's someone else over mm. himself. Yeah, because he falls in love with uh, one of the, the female officers there. Yeah, and, and the only way, and, yeah, I remember, because the only way you can, get, uh, you can get onto that ship is if one of the holograms leaves. That's it, and the way you do that is that you go against each other in the battle of mind. So he cheats, and she gets wiped. Of course, he doesn't know that. He thinks she's going to be there and he's lost great. And when he finds out her has been wiped, he does the honourable thing, which yeah. is something that's quite a shock. For, for Rimmer, yeah. For Rimmer, and goes back. And uh, that one's played by Giant Hollocks. Yeah, it is. It's a really good episode, that is. It's, it's a sad episode. Could it start off with him watching Casablanca? Yeah. Doesn't it? And yeah. um, Rimmer's watching it because I can't, and in the, in the bit where he leaves her, and you know, he's saying, I can't understand why you'd do that. Yeah. And he says, You've got no magnificence in your soul. That's but, a beautiful line. Yeah. No and uh, what he does, he, he actually does, he doesn't yeah. he? But it actually happens to him, he realises that you, you can be good. Yeah. Uh, following from Hollowshoot, you had the Inquisitor, uh, then Terraform, Quarantine, Demons and Angels, and Back to Reality. Now we're going to talk uh, about. Two, two, well, two of our favourite episodes in this series, yeah. uh, Quarantine and Demons and Angels. Uh, Quarantine first. Um, this, again, you've, you've, we're just talking about how great Rimmer is. Uh, in that episode of Hollowship, we also then now also get to see once again, we brought back into the reality, yeah. so to speak, of, of Rimmer being um, just a child in it. Yeah. Because he wants to be in charge. He wants everyone to turn around and look up to him. He doesn't want to do the dirty work, but he wants to be looked up at. And Crichton is slowly taking over the role of captain in essence yeah. of the ship. So they end up going onto this maroon ship and there's a, a Dr. Landstrom there who's contained horrifying. the hollow virus. So Rimmer's not allowed to go down on there. So he does the Cody thing, he stays up there. And he tries to actually get the ship off when, when it's all going wrong, tries to leave him there. Yeah. Um, and to get his own back, he puts all the lads into quarantine. And this is what the clip is. Welcome to quarantine, lads. 
I hope the next 84 days pass as swiftly and as pleasantly as the Hundred Years' War. Sir, I must protest. You've only supplied us with single birth accommodation. Space Corps Directive 597 clearly states one birth per registered crew member. And as Listy is the only registered crew member, one birth is all you get. Don't rasty. But what about entertainment? You are obliged to provide us with minimum leisure facilities. Games, literature, hobby activities, motion pictures. And in accordance with Space Corps Directive 312, you will find in the storage cupboard over there a chess set with 31 missing pieces, a knitting magazine with a pull-out special on crocheted hats, a puzzle magazine pull-out special on crocheted hats, a puzzle magazine with all the crosswords completed, and a video of the excellent cinematic treat, wallpapering, painting and stippling, a DIY guide. <laughs> Don't rise to him. And fulfilling all Space Corps dietary requirements, dinner tonight, gentlemen, will consist of sprout soup, followed by sprout salad, and for dessert, I think you'll like it, rather unusual, sprout crumble. Remet, you know damn well sprouts make me chuck. Well, this is awful. I've got you down for sprouts almost every meal. <laughs> I tell a lie. It is every meal. How long are you going to keep this up for, Rimmer? Keep what up? I'm merely executing Space Corps Directive 595. Anyway, must dash Rooney. I've got to organise your daily provision of musical entertainment. I think you're going to like it. It's a perpetually looped tape of Reggie Dixon's Tango Treats. <laughs> OK, time to him. Let me out of here. So there's the whole point there where um, rumour has now got them all into quarantine and Lisa turns around and says, well, it shouldn't matter because we hang out with each other anyway. Um, so, we you know, we just go for it. Boys from the dwarf. Boys from, Boys the, from the, dwarf. the dwarf. And as it turns out, they last for an hour and a half and I think Lister's got a black eye, Cat's got a cut and uh, quite an easy well. You know, it reminds me of it's, so it's the same kind of way. It's like when me and you... And uh, one of our best mates, Kev, went on holiday together for two weeks. We thought, oh yeah, we, we you know, one little tiny room. We get on really well together. We were each other's throats after three days. We've known each other for twenty years, so we know exactly where that's coming and, yeah, from. Yeah, exactly. And uh, and yeah, Quentin has to uh, go and get his head re-panel beaten because uh, <laughs> they've uh, they've had a go, and he doesn't like being called. I don't know, uh... Techie. Oh yeah, that's true. Don't like being called Techie. Techie, that's right. Yeah. And, he, and all he ever says to him is, uh, "Don't talk to me because you get my heckles up." Yeah. <laughs> Don't you mean? Uh, what's he say? Heckles, shekels, 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 shekels. <laughs> because none of it does make sense because they're all completely stupid anyway. Yeah. They're not the cleverest bunch anyway, no. and they can't work out that Rimmer is doing it on purpose. Yeah, to and that's the thing, isn't it? And uh, they end up... Uh, they, 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 they have to get out of there because they, they are just literally doing <laughs> their heads in. But, um, unfortunately, um, this happened. Gentlemen, your conversation makes interesting listening. Rumour, is that you? Oh, yes. How long have you been listening? Two, maybe three hours. <laughs> well, no-one's got any disease, man. We're clean. You have to rescreen us, sir, as per Directive 699. No one's got any virus and no one's smegging nuts. Well, that's good. <laughs> Is something amiss? Amiss? God, no. What could possibly be amiss? You don't think there's anything amiss? I'm sitting here wearing a red and white checked gingham dress <laughs> and army boots. <laughs> you think that's unamiss? 
No, of course not. It's just we thought you'd gone nuts. We were trying to heal you. I was just doing a little test. A little test to see if you'd gone crazy. <laughs> if there's one thing I can't stand, it's crazy people. Well, we've passed the test, Rima. You can let us out. I can't let you out. Why not? Because the king of the potato people won't let me. <laughs> I've begged him. I've got down on my knees and wept. He wants to keep you here. Keep you here for ten years. Could we see him? <laughs> see who? The king. Do you have a magic carpet? Yeah. A little three-seater. <laughs> so let me get this straight. You want to fly on a magic carpet to see the king of the potato people <laughs> and plead with him for your freedom. And you're telling me you're completely sane? <laughs> I think that warrants two hours of W-O-O. -O. What's W-O-O? That's worse. Without oxygen. No oxygen for two hours. That'll teach you to be bread baskets. So there we see Rimmer has now got the hollow virus, which he contracted when he was talking to them, um, which he was just taking the mick out of them. Yeah, yeah. Now, the lads now know that they've got to get out of that room because they've only got oxygen for a short amount yeah. of time. And how they get out of it is by, uh, by using the look, the look virus, virus, which they found in Dr. Landstrom's uh, in case. And uh, they do this simply by you know taking the look, and uh, he gets the, the, um, the buttons out. And... Off they go to find out what's what's wrong with Rima, and Rima with the hollow virus can shoot. Oh, he's got he's got hex vision, hex vision yeah. yeah. And he's also got a little friend with him called Mister Flibble. Mister Flibble, and I, I think this is the this was the episode I think, in, especially in Britain, where it got into the public's consciousness. I think everyone, knew, even though. Mr. Flibble's not the best thing in it, <laughs> but this was the first time where you what, know what is, what is Mr. Flibble? Mr. Flibble was a, 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 a penguin. Was it a penguin? Yeah, a glove puppet. That's it. Who he who also had hex vision, yes. which was never explained. <laughs> but for some reason, the puppet had his aim. I know why. Why is that, man? Well, because he's a hologram. I, was, I keep forgetting that, you know. This is what's really mad with Red Dwarf. You forget yeah. that he's a hologram because yeah. out of your head you think he's real. Mm. And this was before, you know what you haven't talked about really, the fact he's buying now is hard light. No, he's not hard light, because that's Legion. What are we on now? <laughs> We're only on season five. I know it does seem like we've been oh, yeah, stages, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but no, but this was the first time where 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 you saw people talking about Red Dwarf on mm. TV. I think the ratings were the public it's people the now got weren't really now. big. There was also I think at this point a dimension jump conventions had started as well. And, uh, and we'll get we'll talk about it at the end about how we, that we've met them and so ultimately they do they manage to knock Rima out again using a lot of virus and they incarcerate Rima in quarantine in the quarantine and that's how it ends the episode after quarantine is demons and angels and then you finally got back to reality but we're just going to talk about demons and angels the only thing I'm because uh, it's really it's, uh, there's another ship it's a big story isn't yeah, it yeah it's another and it's another is it another parallel universe thing I think it is isn't it 
It, no, because what oh, the, no. Do you know what it's about? I'll tell you where it starts off. It's about at the beginning what they're doing. They're trying to replicate because they've got no food left. They're trying to replicate it, yeah. an orange. No, it's a strawberry. It's true, they yeah. get a strawberry, so they manage to do it three times. Which is one step. One is awful. beautiful. Yeah. It's like heaven. Yeah. It's like drinking the elixir of life. Where the, the third one is like it's putrid, and when he eats it, it's got maggots, maggots in, in it. it. That's it. So um, they try the scene. They think they can do the same thing yeah. with the ship. Can they make another ship? Or oh, it's an accident, isn't it? That happens, and that's the reason why. Then you suddenly get three ships. Three ships. You've got the them on there, which is just the, the standard version. You've got the godlike version where they all walk around in white. It's very, it's very good, which, yeah. is, which is great. And then you've got the evil version of it. Now they all go onto the evil ship because this is where they need to get all the things together. Well, you've got the three the parts of the make the, up the, the one, the, yeah. and uh, they end up well. Crichton gets shot Cat gets shot and they, they think it's oh dear you've misfired your gun let me come and help you brother and they get shot and you see Crichton who's just a deranged oil stained mechanism yeah who's got somebody's got like uh, they're all a bit like cowboys and yeah yeah and they're he's, a got, bit he's got bad Tourette's as well yeah yeah it's a bit weird you've got Cat who is is just a well, he's like a yeah, barbarian, he's isn't he? But he's a cat, fang. isn't he? He's got yeah. his fangs. He Sabre, is what he's he like is. A saber tooth. He is what he is. Yeah. And you've got uh, Cray Charlo, Lister's uh, one, which is just like a dirty, rotten cowboy. And you've got Rimmer's version. <laughs> well, he's a very, very Franken, Franken first. Very Franken, very, very much like Rocky Horror Show. And uh, this is the introduction of Evil Rimmer. Looking for someone? Hello, my pretty. What you want with me? I want to hurt you. Why? Because I'm not a very nice person. I'm going to lash you to within an inch of your life. And then, I'm going to have you. So they end up um, getting the, the full triplicator back together uh, from the good ship, the bad ship, and back on Red Dwarf. And they managed to get back over there and destroy it uh, before the original Red, Shop, Red, uh, Red Dwarf ship explodes. Um... I really like Demons and Angels. I just wish it could have been a little bit longer. Yeah, it's one of the things you never, you never get the uh, proper fruition of the episode. It's a great episode, but that could have been a two-parter, couldn't it? Definitely. And I think this was a, this was a, you know, there wasn't really doing two-parters yet, were they? That no. wasn't that coming to a bit later on. But they, this could have been a two-parter easily. That, that was where series seven. Really, well, I think that's where series seven went wrong. But after Demons and Angels, you had Back to Reality, and we haven't got any clips for that, but. Dwayne Dibley. Yeah, it's a very good. It's a very. It's a very fan favorite, isn't it? Yeah. Because you've got some of the best gags in it, mm. but it's quite hard to show a cl- clip on yeah, a podcast yeah, because it's, it's very visual. It's very visual, and there's, there's some great bits with Crichton who thinks he's a. Yeah, thinks yeah. He's got like a real macho name, hasn't he? Uh, uh, is it Jake Bullet? Yeah, something like that. And he goes, <laughs> uh, he goes. What do you mean? You could be a traffic cop, and uh, he mm. does turn out that he is actually a cop, just yeah. a traffic cop. So that was uh, that was series five. We're now way down to. Uh, series six, in which is your your favourite series, isn't it? Series Se- six. Series six. I, don't, I, I do because I, I think the sci-fi in it, you're getting completely, completely mad. Even though it's got 
an episode in that won all the awards, mm. which is uh, Gunmen and the Apocalypse. Yeah. Well, I'm not a massive fan of. No. I'm not a ma- you know, we've talked about this before. Mm. This was the big episode, wasn't it? That, that got eight, of- 8 million viewers. Yeah, it got the big budget. I, I don't mm. know. It's all right, isn't it? But it's not a, it's not a Red Dwarf. It's-, it's not as good as what's on there. I mean, Series 6 gave us Sirens, Legion, which we, we're going to play a couple oh, of clips. Yeah. Uh, Gunman the Apocalypse, Emo Hawk, which was the second one of Polymorph. Rumor World. And out of time, and uh, out of time, we'll talk about because that left me and you in a state of sheer, sheer panic. Yeah, and yes. Uh, so um, yeah, we, we'll talk about. Uh, well, before we talk about Legion, because we got a clip out, we actually talk about Rimmer World, which I really liked because uh, it's a world just made out of, of, out, of out of Rimmer, and it is a horrible, horrible place to be because he just gets dictated to. And well, he's the only he, person where he because what happens is he lands on the planet, he's he's stranded on a planet on his own and the only thing he's got is uh, a, a kit for terraforming hasn't he got oh he's got he's, cause it's, what are they called Chinese um, worry balls worry, no, worry, worry balls, balls. <laughs> and uh, they become like pebble uh, but a tiny so, ball rub those balls rub those balls but he's on this planet and the only thing he's got is to um, to get to terraform or clone mm. anything because he thinks I can make a new society yeah. the only thing he's got is something of him he's got a bit of his uh, his dandruff his dandruff his, uh, okay, yeah from his comb so he transforms the planet he terraforms the planet he clones him and what happens is he gets overthrown overthrown it, by, by his, his own, own by himself there is only one there is only one I am yeah. <laughs> and Cat finds out it's not him because he doesn't smell yeah. I can't smell the characters uh, but we're going to talk about Legion which I think is the best great episode best episode great episode uh, so uh, let's play a clip um, when they first no no before we play the clip of the first meeting we've got the be- the, the, the homage towards a lot of sci-fi things which you seem to have red alert don't you well yeah, of course I, in I think, this, I think this shows you you know me, you know, me and me mate, you know, big fans of Star Trek but you're, <laughs> you're talking that's high end sci-fi high end sci-fi you, you know and either show this would be realistic what a world would be before people who don't particularly care about it <laughs> here we go go to blue alert what for there's no one too alert we're all here I would just feel more comfortable if I know that we're all on our toes because everyone's aware it's a blue alert situation. We all are on our toes. May I remind you of Space Corps Directive 34124? 34124. No officer with false teeth should attempt oral sex in zero gravity. (laughs) Damn you both, all the way to Hades. I want to go to blue alert. Okay, okay. (laughs) Thank you bit of professionalism. Wait, I've got something. I'm punching it up. Too small for a vessel. Maybe some kind of missile. It's impossible to tell at this range. Whatever it is, they clearly have a technology way in advance of our own. So the Albanian State Washing Machine Company. (laughs) Step up to red alert. Uh, Sir, are you absolutely sure? It does mean changing the bulb. (laughs) There's always some excuse, isn't there? And there you go. Uh, a low uh, low budget ship such as Starbuck would just have to uh, change the ball. <laughs> and it, it's just got some great bit. Even though there's only four of them, he still wants to keep the Space Corps 
directed, <laughs> even though he was a complete failure, he still <laughs> thinks he has to uphold the Space Corps. And he doesn't even know them. He don't even that's know them, and that's the thing. Yeah. And there's, there's, there's plenty of quips like that in that series. Oh, there's loads of them. I think the whole of Series 6 has got, in everyone, has got a couple of Space Corps directives. Yeah. Uh, sniffing the Saddle was one. So it was, yeah. no, Ginger no, Toupe. Ginger Toupe. Yeah. <laughs> and so anyway, they... they did they get caught by this? Uh, this it's almost like a big um, net, isn't it? Yeah, it's like an energy field that draws yeah. them in, like a homing beacon, really, yeah. isn't it? And takes them into this place where they uh, meet up with an alien who knows all about them. In fact, there's a uh, continuity mistake in this where turns around and says, Mr. Uh, "This alien goes, you are called Dave Lister. You have a pain, and he removes his appendix. Well, Lister apparently had already had his appendix ah. removed, uh, but uh, Doug Naylor's." Uh, um, reasoning for this is the fact that when Red Dwarf has blown up it's put back together again they will all put back together again but of course that blows out the thing of Rimmer still being a hologram and but he doesn't he's Red Dwarf he's Red Dwarf so they, they meet up this guy who, who appears to be the most brilliant person they've ever met he knows an awful lot he's every, he knows every, all their whims their pleasures doesn't he he knows everything and uh, so they come with an idea for, for him joining him and, uh, and this is where this clip comes in what is your name? call me Legion. Please make yourselves comfortable. Legion, these statues, you sculpted them yourself? Years ago, I was a different person then. According to my connoisseurship, they fulfill all ten requirements for being masterpieces. You have a connoisseurship? Just because I look like Herman Munster's stuntman doesn't mean to say I can't appreciate art, sir. I shall return with the feast. Can I eat? I mean, in this body, is it possible? Mr. Rimmer, in a hard, light body, you can do anything a human can do, with the added bonus that you are practically indestructible. I can't be hurt? Your pleasure and pain responses remain the same, but you cannot come to harm. Excuse me. His cellular structure is unique. Genetic strands I've never seen before. Part living tissue, part mechanical. We've got to persuade him to come with us. He'd get us back to Earth in weeks. And what a team we'd make. Legion with his scientific genius, intellect, culture and sophistication, and us with... <laughs> with, with our red alert bulb. <laughs> Let's flag down a black cab and head for real street here. This Johnny won't come with us. He'd never fit in. Can you see him joining in on our late night sessions of pin the pointy stick on the weather gale? True. But once he's signed up and we're off in the big black, it'll be too late for him to change his mind. All we have to do is create the facade that we're not the uncouth morons you are. Here is the feast. It is a traditional 24th century Mimosian banquet. How absolutely divine, Le Jean. Although I must say, our souls are already gorged, fit to burst with the feast of art laid out on your walls. I wasn't aware you had an interest in art, Mr. Rimmer. Many's the night we while away the wee hours contemplating a Caravaggio, discussing its shape, themes and form. The pointy stick game doesn't get a look in anymore. <laughs> now, this three-dimensional sculpture in particular is quite exquisite. Its simplicity, its bold, stark lines. Pray, what do you call it? The light switch. <laughs> the light switch? Yes. I couldn't buy it then? Not really. I needed to turn the lights on and off. And uh, there you go. That's uh, that's Legion. Uh, he he has turned Rimmer by taking out his light beam because at this point Rimmer walks around uh, with a light beam. It was in the uh, very first series. He was in a cage, if yeah. you remember. Um, and he takes out his light beam, removes all the wiring, and just throws in a little chip. And Rimmer then becomes hard light. Um, the whole point of Legion, if you get the name Legion, which is collected, yeah, yeah. many. Um, 
he's made up of all of them. He's made up of Crichton, of Cat, of Lister, and of Rimmer. And there's that bit where they pull the mask off. And I remember thinking that was quite freakish. It, it was, it was. Yeah, for, for the BBC, it's <laughs> losing me a bit like that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, and of course, ultimately, they uh, there's always a da- and that's one of the lines they say. Anything goes. There's always something, isn't there, that comes along and ruins our day. Yeah. And anyway, they managed they managed to get away. And uh, and well, we'll just end up on Legion. There you go. That's yeah. <laughs> we, we, we've always talked about though. We want, what's interesting about the um, the hard light it mm. becomes hard light was a bit like Star Trek Voyager with the with the Doctor wasn't it yeah yeah. Uh, you know when he had well, his uh, tr- when he had his uh, light tra- when he had his transmitter thing yeah. on his, on his, on his well, there's a lot of thing, a lot of people have, oh, have turned around and said that there's a lot of things that Red Dwarf did uh, in their stories that Star Trek especially DS9 and Voyager, Voyager. Oh, yeah. actually copied a lot of the Doctor the, the Doctor some of the storylines but apart from it being not so funny was mm. a lot like there's it a, yeah there's a lot well, I mean I suppose you could say homages to it maybe yeah I disagree I Homage, say yeah. stole it, stole it. there's nothing wrong with that <laughs> no. there's nothing wrong with that no, no because these days I mean we've, we've commented before but let's face it Red Dwarf takes an awful lot of uh, of things from Alien from 2001 um, there's a lot of isn't that what great sci-fi is though great sci-fi it updates the uh, classics there's a you know there's a certain model in a sci-fi series that you want and Mm. you're not going to go away from that when it does it loses it and there's nothing wrong with taking something and not improving it or changing it it's, it's the essence exactly the same as the English language is what Stephen Fry said that you know you might not like it but language you change yeah. you know that's hence the reason why slang comes into it you can yeah. say certain words now not that we're going to but that you can get away with then yeah. like years ago you, you, could, well, you couldn't say bastard on a, on a, on a podcast probably can't now should have yeah. beat that one yeah, um, that ends anyway the last episode of Out of Time now we're going to talk about Out of Time we're not going to play any clips on it but purely because it's a, it's a purely visual episode yes, one, yes. um you get some characters about like um, because of the uh, emo hawk stuff and everything where Ace Rimmer comes back but it's not it is just Rimmer he's, but he's got some of the personality from it and Dwayne Dibley comes back and this is the moment where the ship's going to get blown up it, it, you don't know what's happening Rimmer runs through and he shoots the, the panel on there yeah. and ends yeah well, he just it, said to be continued uh, yeah and that episode you know where the you know the main story of that was where they saw themselves in the future, mm. and there were horrible, that horrible was, people. Oh, that was having tea with Mussolini. Yeah, there were horrible people, and they come back to try and get apart from the original crew. But the original crew realised what what they were going to become, mm. and this is why. And at the end, he realises the only way because they all get killed apart from Rimmer. Yeah. And Rimmer does something at and the end of it. really shocked because we sat there yeah, watching it. I remember sitting there watching it, and you see that they're getting attacked by their future selves because we can't we can't pull up living like you. Yeah, and they, they you see Crying gets killed, Lister gets killed, Cat's yeah. killed, and Rimmer's on his own. And I always remember that scene where you see. I mean, I think Chris Barry just does yeah, when he just yeah. he stops saying it's a sudden realization that if he doesn't do this. And I don't think it's where he thinks I'm going to die. No, it's I think a, it's the point where you think my is. friends are going to die. It's the first time he realises his, his friends are going to die. There's the classic line: "Better dead than Smeg." <laughs> Better dead than Smeg, yeah. And he gets there, and as he presses the button on his gun, they blow the ship up, and he ends with "To be continued." Yeah. And, and it, I remember we were like, oh, "What? Like what? Yeah, yeah." And bear in mind, this is before internet. Yeah, you couldn't find like nothing. That's all, it. All we had was teletext, and uh, it was a good. Uh, I think it was a good four years. 
yeah. uh, before we was we found out exactly what happened. Yeah. Although, of course, now if you get the DVD, they actually filmed the end of that where they sit there and um, they're, they're eating that <laughs> synthetic crap, aren't they? So that was the end of, uh, of Series 6. Probably the end, actually, of Good the cl- Red Yeah, Dwarf. the classic Red Dwarf as we know it, yeah. Because we go into Series 7, which now has... A few, pro- s- a few problems, should we say. One big problem, <laughs> I think we'll say. And that is Chris Barry leaves. He does two episodes, which is Ticket to Ride and Stoke Me a Clipper. Good reason for how he ends it. I mean, he walks... He becomes... This is how... reason why we didn't talk about uh, Ace Rimmer is because there are thousands and thousands and thousands of Ace Rimmers. Each Rimmer takes on the role of Ace Rimmer to do good and spread the word. And it's his turn to do it. And that's how he leaves. But... Uh, we have got a clip, but we've got the clip from Tika to Ride, but uh, we might as well talk about the reason why we don't like, and it is because Chris Barry left. Uh, there was just there was just a lot, I think, you, you got... Uh, Chloe in it. You got, you know, you got Kachansky coming back into it to try and fill the void of... And it, it was and just never... Not, and it's it not, was never... You, could, you know, it's not the sexist issue, they say, but no. it, was a, it was for... Boys, four boys together, yeah. and and it changed it. Mm. It didn't. It changed it. Crichton it's, changed. Yeah, and well, Crichton became this. See, Crichton always liked Crichton. Yeah, but Crichton ended up being this thing where he was jealous of Kachansky coming yeah, because into we've, it because of Dave. And it's, yeah, uh, and it was just he's, well, Kachansky comes in from again from another parallel universe, which of course. I think gets a little bit tiresome. It really does. And I you also you lost the writer with this as well, didn't you? Yeah. Well, now it had just gone down to. Um, um, to uh, Doug Naylor uh, yes yeah, so Rob Grant had gone hadn't it gone yeah and it's, uh, it's although Doug Naylor's got, I mean Doug Naylor's kept Red Dwarf alive he was the one we'll talk about the film later on um, but yeah you, when you lose it's like Gordon and Simpson if you lost Simpson well, although he actually retired a yeah. bit, you know Steptoe and Sub would not have been as funny uh, if you took out the writers uh, one of the writers out of Porridge yeah, uh, Porridge wouldn't have been funny and it's the same thing here but losing so two main characters in uh, Red Dwarf are Dave Lister, Arnold Rimmer. Yeah, you that- take one of those out and it doesn't work. We're going to play a clip on there from Ticker to Ride, which is a, a, actually a pretty intelligent episode. It's they a good, up, good story. Yeah, they end it's up going back funny. in time. To, no, well, it's, not, it's a quite a serious yeah, thing. Yeah. They end up going back in time to 1963 and they end up in a storage room in Texas and they accidentally knock someone out of a window, which results in JFK yeah. not being killed. And... JFK, it's like anything. You, if you die, speaking, you know, doing good, you're more remembered a lot of time. Of course, obviously, you can make mistakes, and unfortunately, he does make mistakes because he's kept alive. His affairs get yeah, that's yeah, Jackie divorces him, and he ends up getting arrested. Essence, exactly like Nixon. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. it's the same thing. And uh, Lister gets a chance to put things right because obviously, when you change time, the old times now. If you change time things happen in the future and it, it screws them up so they get the chance Lisa gets a chance to go back and puts a suggestion to JFK and this is the suggestion well come with us back to Dallas in November 63 be a second gunman the gunman behind the grassy knoll you mean uh, assassinate myself yeah it will drive the conspiracy nuts crazy but they'll never figure it out so uh, what happens then is uh, they get JFK to the the grassy knoll and he's dressed as a policeman. You see Lee Harvey Oswald pull the first two, well, do the two shots. Then he does the third shot and he turns around and he thanks them for giving him the chance to be the man he's most well known for. 
And uh, as he walks off, he slowly fades off into the distance. And uh, Lisa turns around and says, I still can't find a cully house. Yeah. And then they go and bat him, which is pretty good. That's the only good thing about, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> uh, about series, series 7. Um, no disrespect to Chloe Annette, because it's not, it wasn't an wasn't easy job fault. for her. To and to be fair, she's a damn good actress and easy on the eye. Yeah, but... Fair, but I don't know. It's like we, we. I don't know. We've talked about it before. I think this was the first time in Red Dwarf where we questioned that what's going on with it. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's odd episodes where you think, "Well, I don't really like it, but we can still watch." This was the only one where where we've had Red Dwarf nights where you skip through it. Uh, you know, I, I've only. I can honestly turn around and say we've got all of them on here. I mean, we, we obviously we keep looking every now and again at the discs just to, so that we know what we're talking about, but. I don't. I can't remember that. Apart from me doing the clips, I can't remember the last time I watched series seven. Apart from the ones with Rimuru in the first, yeah, two. yeah. The, the, and even then, the, they're not great. I'm not that bothered about it. But and I think that was that was the problem where we actually turned around and thought, should it go on? Yeah, and uh, yeah, we never, you know, you don't want to see things ending. But we were thinking this was this might have been the final nail in the coffin. Mm. We're losing the writer, losing the funniest character in it. Yeah. And for he, he can't really go on. I mean, uh, Chris Barry left um, Red Dwarf because he was doing a TV series at the time called British Empire, which was a very, very which good was series. Very, very good series. And I don't think we can talk about British Empire because it was filmed in '91. Yeah. But still, we could talk about it now because yeah, it's right. yeah. And Richie plays Gordon Bruce, who's in charge of a leisure centre, and. He's again. He must be the characters he plays where he's a buffoon, but he's a nice guy. He's a nice guy. He just doesn't do very well. It's a bit of an early David Brent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. When you think about it, but so he wanted to concentrate on that. He'd been doing Red Dwarf for, since 1988, and was just tired of it, and thought, you know, you're going to get tight cast, so he left it. The others carried on, and it didn't really work, and viewing figures dropped considerably. Um, and I didn't think we'd get season eight. No, no. Well, it wasn't even mentioned. It wasn't Ruby. You just thought that was it, didn't you? Because mm. the ending, there was an ending. It wasn't even. It wasn't a cliffhanger. No, it was just a dead stop ending. You think, well, that that's it, really, that was isn't it. it? And then suddenly we get series eight, which is not- back in the red. And what happens here is, I am. It's just. Well, it's a bit now. of a mad episode because they're still chasing. Because all this, the chasing red dwarf, yeah. and the find a red, red dwarf, dwarf has crashed. Yeah. So they go down there. They find Holly, yeah. who's still still alive. You know, we haven't saw him for eight years, and his first lines are <laughs> "Hello, dudes." Hello, dudes. It's like you saw him last Let week. Norman Lovett back into it. Yeah. Again. And then you get the nano, the nano probes, the nanobots. I see nanoprobes, nanobots, nanobots, and they remake. Red Dwarf, Red Dwarf and they make everything that was on Red Dwarf including Rima who was yeah. a hologram and so a good way of getting um, Rima back into it but of course they're still on Starbucks so they get they try to fly into Red Dwarf as far as this is again as far as I can remember and it slowly gets bigger and bigger as they go for the air shoots and they blow up inside Red Dwarf and they get captured by Chen and Shelby who is of course Lister's original mates yeah I mean, the third person there's three guards there Right, there's Chen and Selby played by I think it's Paul Bradley who was in EastEnders. Ah. Um, the other guy who doesn't take his mask off would have been Olaf Peterson, who was played yeah. by Mark Williams, Mark Williams, who's of course most well known. Well, we know him as, as the fashion, sure. but for the world, he's Arthur Weasley in the Harry Potter. Ah, he for some reason he wasn't he wasn't in it, so that's the reason why the guy doesn't take his his hat. Um, they end up being arrested because of the crimes that they've done, and they end up in a cell in the lower decks and this is back to original Red Dwarf yeah. it's the two of them in there Crichton because he hasn't got a gender 
yeah. is thrown in with the women. That's another downfall because Crichton isn't with the guys. Yeah. Um, and he was Cat, is he? No, he's not. I, I can't he's think where Cat is. Um, I, I think Cat was being it. studied, wasn't he? Yeah, because, he was studied because he's a Because he's, he's a happy, isn't he's he? A, yeah. um, so, Vimmer's not entirely happy with this uh, because he's thrown in jail. Even though he hasn't Even done anything. Hasn't done because wrong. he's got no memory of doing anything. So, Vimmer's refusing to talk to Lister and this is where we get this clip, which is actually our uh, final clip. Of, uh, of Lister attempting to talk to Rima. You're still not talking to me. It's unbelievably childish, you know. Got a good mind to fill your shoes with runny porridge again. <laughs> I'd teach you a lesson about maturity. <laughs> All right, I'll tell you what. I bet I can make you say something in the next minute. 20 big ones. Shake on it. All right, well, if I'm on, say nothing. I'm on. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to say something, all right, and you're going to totally lose it. Are you ready? You ready? All right. Several years ago, when money was not abundant and I needed, I mean medically needed a pint, <laughs> I took some money from your purse. <laughs> oh, God, it was horrible going in there. The wallet that time forgot. <laughs> not that there was any point. Bowman on B-Deck wouldn't save me. Said the balloons weren't legal tender anymore. <laughs> Said you should have handed them in after the Spanish Armada. <laughs> I thought I'd get you going. You hate digs about your stinginess. Usually makes you so agitated that you've got to go and make a cup of tea with a brand new tea bag. <laughs> <laughs> well, still, plenty of time to go. <laughs> Remember of on Magruda? <laughs> you really liked it, didn't you? Hey. I used to go out, you know, before you did. <laughs> you didn't know that, did you? <laughs> Broke up in the end. Really hurt me. Still got the scars today. <laughs> Can never heal carpet burns, do they? <laughs> Both cheeks, man. <laughs> She nearly wore them down to the bone. Will you shut up? Twenty big ones. That's uh, that is classic, Cla- classic red dwarf, where they are truly winding each other up. Um, it's that's about. Well, yeah, it's, 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 it's a good series. It's I a good well, series. It is a compared good to how, how bad series seven was. Yeah, series eight really came out. There were some great bits in there, uh, mainly all visual gags. They yeah. joined the Canaries, which is like a suicide. A suicide squad, yeah. Um, and it's mainly then going back to the captain with stupid ideas. Yeah, you're going back. The, I think what they tried to do really was go back to the original what it was like before even the accident happened, didn't they? They yeah, tried to show yeah. you how they were working. Mm. Basically, it was a bit like a prequel, even though it was the last series, but yeah, strangely. Yeah. Very, yeah, it was... I mean, again, it was... I could, go, I could go back and watch it again, yeah. actually, quite happily, but if I was to choose between series five, four, five, and six, then it doesn't really get... No, nah, With the DVD, that added a lot of scenes in there, which is great to see, because let's face it, we, we're geeks in ourselves, and yeah, we yeah. love to see new stuff put in. But of course, also, it's like, it's a bit long-winded. Yeah, and, and some of the episodes are... Ri- they're like, you know, 45-minute episodes, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, and the comedy works best for half an hour, isn't it? Yeah. That, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, well, hence the reason why his podcast is now one hour and a half. Yeah, that's exactly mm. that, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> but so there you go. So that's all eight series of Red Dwarf. Now they they was going to make a movie of it. Doug Naylor went all over the world to try and find uh, funding to 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 have a film. They was all up for it. The script was done. It was going to be more like the book. I I, I don't know for certain if that's no, true. No. To be fair. And it nearly got off the ground in Australia after the success of stuff like The Matrix yeah. and sort of the Superman Returns, where it was where stuff was cheaper to film in in Australia. Yeah. Um, very near to go, the BBC once again was putting our hard-earned uh, uh, taxpayers' money into last three into the Vicar of Dibley and, uh, and uh, hyperdrive. Or something <laughs> oh yes, doesn't uh, hyperdrive. <laughs> hyperdrive is a very very bad, embarrassing comedy space show starring Nick, Nick Frost. Frost. He should be slapped. In fact, even he's embarrassed about it. And they they gave that two the, series. And the budget on it was like it was nothing that we, yeah, it, oh. it was immense. And you're thinking, whoa, 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 Red Dwarf never Red had Dwarf, that. Why not? Why not? Let's have series nine of Red Dwarf, or at least a feature film like they're doing with Doctor Who with the specials now. Yeah. Anyway, the film never got off the ground. And the latest thing we've got, as I say, on uh, Easter weekend, we have um, the special. The uh, three programs are being shown. You've got the. Um, Back to Earth episode you've got a making of the Back to Earth episode and we're getting back together and also an improvisation which is interesting isn't it which I'm so looking forward to which is in lines of whose line is it anyway shame Norman Lovett's not doing that yeah that is a shame so what are they doing since well uh, Chris Barry who's now 48 uh, most well known for for everyone else in the world as being the butler in Tomb Tomb Raider and I thought he was brilliant in that would love to see another Tomb Raider film everyone people criticise that you know what Cradle of what's it? Cradle of uh, you were going to say Cradle of Film. Cradle of yeah, yeah, that's a death metal band. <laughs> I don't feel like Cradle of Life was it? Cradle of Life, yeah. I really liked it. It was the game. Yeah, it yeah, was yeah, in the yeah. war. It was the game. Although, as you know, I think both me and you agree that when two murder games come across, I mean, they have it in the water. It's just so annoying. Oh, God, oh. That's not, yeah, I give up on two murder games. Just infuriating. Yeah. Uh, and he did uh, a couple of episodes, Midsummer Murders, uh, Back in Business, which is a low budget BBC, not BBC, but English film with uh, with Dennis Waterman. Uh, and now mainly does Chris Barry's hey, you know what I found the other day what? Chris Barry's motoring mayhem. madness yeah he's just upset. he's a Mr. Engineer he's, now, he it? owns something like about 20 odd classic cars ja- the Jaguar in Red Dwarf is actually his uh, but he does like Chris Barry's massive machines and motoring stuff and, yeah, yeah, uh, and documentaries like that um, Robert Llewellyn is uh, now doing a programme on YouTube if you look up here just type in Robert Llewellyn or Llewellyn Tube if it's Lou Tube I think yeah. it's called he's doing a carpool thing which interviews uh, celebrities whilst driving his car sounds very interesting, but he did Scrap Heat Challenge he also did the uh, was the only member of the cast to do the American Red Dwarf uh, they only did two episodes two pilots uh, Craig Baco I think his name is played Lisa. I don't know who these people are uh, it failed miserably. They did the second pilot with Terry Farrell. Yeah, Terry Farrell. Playing yeah. Cat, who obviously went over to do uh, DS9 as Dax. Dax yeah. um, so he's doing pretty well. He did uh, uh, Scrappy Challenge, which is... You know, yeah, but, he did well, just... he's wrote quite a few books, Robert Lewis. Yeah, and he's always, he always pops up on... He was in, Hus- he was in a, an episode of Hustle, wasn't he? Was, he? Yeah. Uh, we, we should point out as well, we actually went and saw Robert Lewis yeah, do a book tour. He was brilliant, and wasn't he? He was great. And uh, I've got Man Behind the Mask. Yeah, Man Behind the Mask. Uh, we've met uh, I met Chris Barry met Chris Barry at yeah. the NEC and he signed his name too mad <laughs> he <laughs> he said it meant because I was too nervous yeah. to uh, yeah and to, as uh, we were watching him for the song he was just like Rima wasn't he he was, he was a bit like, like Rima. Rima he was a lovely guy though. he was, oh, nice, was, mate. Mate. He was absolutely nice. lovely guy uh, Craig Charles <laughs> and 
Danny John Jules. Let's talk about Danny John Jules first. Uh, because I'm going to say what I'm going to say, and you can say what you say, because I'm not going sure about this. But Danny John Jules, being a dancer, does a lot of plays, a lot of West End dancing stuff, and still looks amazingly good. We saw him at the last at memorabilia the last fair, fair, fair we went to, walking Just around. Walking around he always hosts stuff. Uh, I should point out, all of them, are, uh, if you're a fan, uh, all open to talking to you. You'd expect probably, especially Chris Barry, to be a bit offish, but they've all been brilliant. I didn't. Uh, our friend Karen got me Danny John Jules's autograph, but we, we met him or we saw him at the memorabilia. Yeah, yeah. And he also did a program called Maid Marion uh, with what's his name from Blackadder. Yeah, uh, Tony Robinson. Tony Robinson, who played the Shed Nottingham, uh, which was a pretty fun. That was, was more like for adults, wasn't it? Yeah, that was, that was good. That was good. That, that was. was brilliant. And Craig Charles. <laughs> no, <laughs> you see what we laughing at? No, oh, no, no. Uh, you've got to, you've got to say you'll be about Danny John Jules first. Well, I guess I better than John Jones. Well, you said that he got arrested. Well, well, <laughs> allegedly. Well, no, it's not allegedly because he got done recently, so we can't talk about oh, it. Okay. The last time we saw Danny John Jules in the in the newspapers in England was he was attacking some bin man <laughs> with a samurai sword and got and got a suspended sentence. So that's what he and that's not it. That, that the worst thing about it. That's not just. When you talk about Craig Charles, Craig Charles, Craig Charles, Lord Charles, Adrian Charles, Craig Charles, it's a bit hard to talk about. Really. Well, let's talk about the good things. <laughs> <laughs> well, Craig, Craig Charles, to be fair, he had a, a he, um, had a little bit of which we're not going to go into because he was, he yeah, was actually screwed over backwards. He was uh, accused of various things and was found totally as one once again one of those things of some evil person. Uh, dragging his name through mud to try and get money off him and I, I met him uh, we met him, both met him uh, at a signing shortly after that and uh, for a guy who'd gone through such a, a bad bad patch he was brilliant he really was a bounce back and, and good on him uh, he then went on to do um, Road Wars with the beautiful Philip Fox. Not Road Wars. Not Road Wars. <laughs> You're bloody obsessed. We've got to talk. Right? Well, this is the man here. We should do a Road Wars podcast because he's obsessed. <laughs> so I meant Robot Wars, uh, in which uh, which uh, individuals of dubious taste in not going out and just sitting in their garage tinkering over the soldier and iron make robots to attack each other. And it was, I thought I was a... You liked it, didn't you? I liked it for a bit because it was just like my, my Friday night ritual and finished work. And that was on, but there's only so much chicken. <laughs> yeah, it was awful. Philip Fyce was good. Only there was a great sketch of Robot Wars done in The Simpsons in, and Spaced. Yeah, it was. It was, it was one in The Simpsons where Homer became the robot. <laughs> that was a great one. That was. So uh, Craig Charles did that, and he, he then uh, most well known in England as playing uh, Lloyd in Coronation Street. Uh, and uh, and recently he was, was a DJ in in up north. He was a D- do some DJ up north, and, and uh, he got a taxi back to. He London. got a taxi back, and unfortunately for Craig, <laughs> why why he was doing it, I don't know. But uh, we're, we're gonna. This is obviously a, 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 you know anyone can. But he was caught um, doing drugs. We'll say yeah, he was yeah. But we're just caught. He was doing drugs, doing drugs in the back of a in the back of a taxi, and allegedly um, <laughs> <was> entertaining himself. <laughs> yeah. The best way that I could say it, and uh, was was now this is the thing that I think is more actually worse than well not that it's worse than that because you shouldn't be doing drugs anyway because we especially oh, in the back of a taxi in the back of a taxi where you're doing your own part of your home is yeah. entirely to you but sitting in the back of a taxi cracking one off you would say he's he's pretty yeah. bad but he was filmed by the taxi driver <laughs> now I'm not being funny coming down from Manchester to London's a damn long way yeah, yeah. it's a good two and a two hour drive now. 
you're not allowed to use your mobile phone whilst driving. Yeah. Now, that's more of a thing. If I no, if the policeman pulled them over, at least he'd be able to oh, best hold the old, best hide the old paraphernalia yeah. and you know what yeah. the old chap in the jeans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that driver got an excuse for? Well, did they arrest the driver? I don't know, actually, there you go. Because that means he would have had to have been taking his hand off the steering wheel to film him. <laughs> It's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a scene you don't want to see. It's a scene <laughs> I don't want to see. And I don't think it should have been uh, no, reported no. in the first place. Because no. uh, there was, well, there you go. There anyway, you go. thankfully, uh, that was he, in his past. Yeah. And he's... Uh, he's sober, not these sober so, days, Totally sober and uh, good on it and well done. Well done, Craig. Yeah. So that's our Red Dwarf podcast. Finished, done and dusted. Okay, so our next episode is going to be about Monty Python's Flying Circus. Flying Circus. So if you add in any comments or sending us some MP3 audio clips. Or abuse. Or abuse. We'll take abuse. <laughs> uh, we won't play that. But if you fancy sending it, then you can email it to waffleonpodcast at googlemail.com or uh, go to our main website, which is at http colon forward slash forward slash waffleon.podbean.com. Calm. and uh, you'll find the links there and everything like that and please add a comment it would be good and throw us a review on iTunes we haven't had any yet no I noticed that the other day yeah. but again we've only done two, two po- yeah well, that's four, not good four podcasts that's not good enough no, no, no come on no, <laughs> one hour 40 minutes we've been here for yeah, yeah. and he's boiling in here <laughs> yeah, I've really got to get that right yeah, that's all <laughs> whoa uh, uh, not that you're sitting there in your pants no no, no 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 well if I was you wouldn't know about it you wouldn't know about it no but I might use it as a caption aren't <laughs> yeah. uh, we're not no no, no. no we're not Definitely anyway, yeah, so the next episode will be about Monty Python's Flying Circus, so please send us some of your comments or you know, tell us what you liked about Monty Python, if it influenced you in any writing or just your humour, uh, and uh, we'll add it into the show. So thanks for, uh, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being here, Cal. Thank you very much. And uh, we'll leave uh, this podcast to the final words of Arnold Judas Rimmer, or Ace Rimmer in this case. Smoke me a kipper, Skipper. I'll be back for breakfast. <laughs>